Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. seen the movie, I want to get you caught up on the movie. And here's the deal. Um, I am a huge... He, you either love him or hate him. And and I love Nicolas Cage. Any any Nicolas Cage lovers out there? Yeah. Isn't he adorable? Um, no. How many how many like Nicolas Cage haters in the, in the house? Okay. My wife is one of them. Yep. That's why we get along. Okay. Both of us are needing this marriage. That's why it works. Um, but let me get you set up. If you haven't seen this... Here's what happens. That scene was basically from the beginning of the movie. They get set up and, and they're, ah, they're in love. And it's just, you know, this wonderful thing that they got going on. And, and, and they just, they absolutely, positively just love each other. And they just want to be together for life. And it's college and it's ah, whatever, okay? And, and then reality hits and he gets this great internship in London. And here's what, do you know what he does? Come on, guys. What, what, what do we do as guys? We make the stupid mistakes, right? Yeah, how many guys made a stupid mistake? A few of us, yeah? So what does he do? He leaves his girl of his dreams, goes to London for this internship, and he becomes a bigwig. I mean, like, big, he's driving a Ferrari in the movie, a cool car, and he's, I mean, he's loving life, he's, he's big, he's a corporate dude, he's got everything that he thinks he needs, and he wakes up one day, and there's this scene, and he goes into this convenience store, and while he's at the convenience store, he's there, and the clerk is being held up at gunpoint, and the guy comes in, and he says, hey, what's, what's going on? And, 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 and Nicholas Cage's character, Jack, Jack stops and Jack goes, uh, uh, sir, I, I will pay for you, you know, just take care of this. Well, what he didn't know is there was an, and I'm going to use this very loosely, an angel, uh, not a biblical angel, mind you, but an angel in the movie shows up and says, Jack, what you did for this guy and, and you made this, you know, not happen, this murder that was going to happen take place, so I'm going to do something for you. And the angel, like, really doesn't want to do it, actually. And the angel asks God, we assume, and says, uh, him? Really? Him? And God's like, yeah, him. And so the next day, he wakes up and like all hell breaks loose in his life. And he's going, what is happening? Because what the angel does, and it's this whole deal, you know, it's a Christmas movie, it's fictional, is he gives him, the angel gives Jack a glimpse into what his life could have looked like had he not gotten on that plane. And so here he is and he wakes up and, and it's this whole new life that he could have had. And, and he goes through all the different process of emotions like, what's going on? Am I, you know, did I, did I have weird mushrooms on my pizza? Did I, you know, like, come on, you can laugh at that. That's funny. All right. Can, I, can we laugh at that in church? I don't know. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, and, and he's going, what happened? And then all of a sudden he finds this, you know, his life that he wakes up to and, and it changes him big time. So it's kind of a modern day, it's a wonderful life. The difference is Jack is living a life currently in the reality of the movie that he was never meant to live, where it's a wonderful life. It's kind of the opposite, where he didn't realize how great his life really was. And so uh, that, that's kind of the difference. And so he, he has this interaction with this angel. This angel gives him this glimpse into what his life could have looked like. And then I love this. He wakes up and he's now living in the suburbs, has a family. He's married to the woman he said he was going to marry when he was in college. Take a look at this next scene. All right, sometimes it feels like you gave up the whole world. I know that, but look what you got. Look at that. Four bedrooms, two and a half bath, a partially finished basement, and get kids. Look, you know what? 
probably don't want to hear this right now. You remember last summer when I almost had that thing with Arnie Jr.'s speech therapist? You remember what you said to me? You said, don't screw up the best thing in your life just because you're a little unsure about who you are. Okay? Go get him, Tiger. All right, so let me ask you this question. How many of you here, and you don't have to raise your hand because it's all of us, have ever lived with regret? You ever had regret? Or maybe you're going, maybe you never have, which, you know, that, that's, I want to know your secret spice, man. Like, share that with me. We, we need that, okay? But I think we all have regret. We all have things that we've either done or not done to affect the impact of our life of where we're at today. Now, here's the good news. God can redeem that, Right? God's got a redemption plan in place for all of us. But I want to tell you this. Um, I looked at some studies, and this is actually studies of people 80 years of age and older. And what they did is they came up with a top 12 list of things they actually regret in life. I just want to share it with you quickly because it was so powerful. And I want to talk about our lives and how this applies biblically and having fun with this movie. Um, here are the top 12. I, and if, if you, you know, I mean, just, just think about these. Think about which, which two you think about. Number one, I wish I had spent more time with the people I love. Number two, I wish I had worried less. These, these, are at the, these are real. At the end of somebody's life, they accumulate a top 12. I don't know about you, but I love these first two already. I want to be selfish with my family, my wife, and my kids. Can I hear a good amen from anybody in here? I wish I'd worried less. Any, anybody worry in here? There was two things I worried about growing up. One was death. I was deathly afraid of death. And, and the other was flying. Hated flying. Now, I travel all the time now. I love flying. And, and when I became a Christian, all of a sudden I had the confidence to go, you know what, death doesn't scare me at all anymore. You know, I'm going, I have confidence that I know where I'm going. And to have that assurance is immeasurable. But there was one other thing that I had fear of. And some of you know this, some of you don't know my story. This was actually became my number one biggest fear. And I'm not making this up. You can ask my wife, you can ask people that knew me back in high school. My biggest fear was speaking in front of people. I, I, was, so, I was the most shy kid in the world. I was, the, I was very introverted. I'm still pretty introverted. And you might be like, what? <laughs> Let me explain. Introvert means that's where you get your energy from, okay? Like, I love to give out and hang with people, but then there's that time, anybody like me, where you just, I just need, like, my space, and I'm good. Never thought in a million years I would do what I do today, and this is just a small portion of what I do every week, but speaking. And so God can overcome any obstacle or anything that you ever have. You know, I, I would have regretted not taking that leap and doing speech things, and now I, I get to coach speech with the high school this year. I'm like, this is just crazy. Number three, I wish I had forgiven more. Love that. Wish I had forgiven more. Number four, wish I had stood up for myself more often. It's a really good one. Okay? Number five, I wish I had lived my own life. In other words, are you on the track that God has for you? Or are you living what you think somebody else wants you to live? Number six, I wish I had been more honest. Number seven, and I don't think any of us would disagree with this one, I wish I had worked less. Isn't that crazy? That's, what the, that, that's number seven. Number eight, I wish I had cared less about what other people think. 
Amen? Number nine, I wish I had lived up to my full potential. If you know me at all, I push for that in every message I give to you because I want you guys to live the potential that God has for us individually and as a church. Number ten, I wish I had faced my fears. Well, I did. Face them every Sunday, man. So, you know, I don't get nervous anymore. You know, I, I haven't got nervous in a long time. I'll tell you where I did get nervous, and I told my wife, was when I, had, I substitute teacher on occasion, and, and I went into a room full of, like, sophomores in chemistry, and I'm going, this was my worst class in high school, you know? I was scared to death, man. It felt good. It felt good to get those emotions going again. Number 11, I wish I'd stopped chasing the wrong things. I love that. And here's the last one. I wish I'd lived more in the moment. Now, this last one is huge for me because I'm, I was about the destination and I hate the process. I, I'm just not a process guy. Like, I'm like, God, I just want to get there. I want to get there now. You know? Like, like, why, why do I have to go through all of this stuff? How many of you going through process right now? <laughs> you're like, and you just love it, right? Everything about your process, you're just, oh, so joyous. Man, I, I want people to go on this process with me. How many of you are like, I hate this message right now because it's, it's getting to your heart. You go, man. And, and I think sometimes we can look back and we, we can regret it. In fact, Heather and I were talking about the Israelites and how the Israelites, you know, God did all these miracles all the time. We looked, about, looked at this last week. And all these miracles they did. And then what did they do? God, where are you? Because they got their focus wrong. They didn't have their focus anymore on God. They had their focus on themselves, not realizing that God had a bigger plan in place. So there's this powerful concept, biblically and within the movie, that I want to pull out. And it's the ability to overcome regret. And, and here it is from a biblical worldview. Now, let me just say this. Some of you, maybe you, you're good. You're like, I forgive him, don't have a lot of regrets. Then my challenge to you today is to be the risk taker. What is the next thing that you can do so your future looks as if it's the purpose that God has planned out for you? Can I hear a good amen from somebody this morning? So here's my first thing that I want to give you. God is the regret redeemer. Amen. Amen. He's the regret. That, that's, that's the name I want to give him. He's the regret redeemer. He redeems any regret we have. In fact, I believe firmly that God will bless us if we take a step And it's the wrong step, and we mess it all up versus not taking any step at all. He rewards that faith every single time. Even if you get it wrong, he's going to reward it. When we don't take a step, I don't know that he rewards that because our intentions aren't the things that he honors. He honors our actions when we follow through with the intentions that he's given us. And so I believe we have to ask right now, is there anything in our life currently or something not in your life currently that you might regret later? Think about that for a moment. I want you to ponder that. Just, just you know, we'll come back to the movie in a minute, but think, what, what is that? Because here are the practical how-tos to really overcome those regrets and, and push on for what's ahead. Maybe you're doing well, so realize if, if you're not a regret person, go, what are the things that I need to do so that I don't ever have that regret? Number one, silence the accuser by remembering Christ saved us by his blood. Okay? You know, Jack in the movie, he keeps reminding himself of his old life all the time and, and, and how rich he was. And, and I don't know if you know this, but he was this huge business exec. And he shows up, he wakes up in the you know, four-bedroom house, the two-and-a-half bath and his kids and all of this. And you know, he's tripping over the trike on the way into the house. And, and, and what he doesn't realize, come on somebody, how many know that's really great? Not, not the like, you know, it, it's, it's, you can have everything in the world, but if you lose your family and lose your soul, what did you gain? And, and so he looks at this, 
And he sees this and he starts reminding himself of everything that he had before. And, and now he, he gets in and, and he's got a, I don't know if it's Johnny Walker or what it is in his cabinet and in, in his new workspace, but he picks it up and he realizes he's a tire salesman, you know? From a corporate exec to a tire salesman. And he's like, he picks up the Johnny Walker or whatever it is the, and he goes, I, you know, I think you needed this every day here. You must have. And, and so he still doesn't have the correct perspective. Do you have the correct perspective? What's the perspective on the journey you're going through? Are people, like we talked about last week, are, do you have a hard heart? Are people doing you wrong? Have you kept that soft heart? The week before when we looked at Elf, we looked at the journey that we're all on. Okay, what is the purpose in your journey that God has for you right now? We have an enemy who loves to remind us of our failures and our sins. He does. He's called, in scripture, he's called the accuser. I don't like him. I don't even like to give him credit, but I want you to see this so that this can be a truth that we hold on today. This is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. John wrote this, he said, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser, everybody say accuser, accuser of our brothers, that's Satan, enemy, devil, whichever what you want to put in there, has been thrown down who accuses them, ready for this, day and night before our God. The accuser hates you. He hates me. Day and night. And the more that you follow Christ, the more the accuser hates you. The more we as a church do good things for God, the more that we have to be prayed up and ready. Because if we're not being attacked by the accuser, that means we don't matter and we're not doing anything for the kingdom. If you're not being attacked or accused in your life, then check your life because the enemy's not afraid of you. It got real in here all of a sudden. Yeah. Where are you at? When you get those attacks, thank you, Jesus, that I'm living a life worthy of that attack. That the devil has to take time for me. Thank you, Lord, that the accuser's bugging me. Thank you, God, for the blessing of what he is doing because it shows me how I need to rely more on you. Right? Right? If Satan can't keep Jesus from saving us... He's going to do anything he can to impede our walk. Okay? By accusing us, he gets us to focus on our regrets more than our Savior. He can focus on all the crap from your past. And guess what, guys? We all got some in this room. I have a lot. I have a ton, man. I have to tell you, every day it is so humbling to pastor in this community because I wasn't a Christian. So there's, there's like, I wish I could go write, you know, write like a hundred forgiveness letters to people saying I'm sorry because of ways I acted in relationships, what came out of my mouth, how I responded to teachers, what I said behind people's back. Like, just a lot. And, and I have to realize that the enemy can bring that up over and over again. And he can taunt you over and over. Some of you, he still is taunting you. And you need to realize that God has a better plan in place for you today. We silence the enemy's accusations by turning to Christ every time he accuses us. Every single time we've got to go back to him. Yep, we've, we failed, okay? But every failure was paid for in full by Christ on the cross. Are you with me? Okay? Number two, remind yourself there is no condemnation in Christ. Amen. Come on. Now you're awake. I love it. Alright? Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Paul writes this out. The Apostle Paul. And I love this. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation, none at all, for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ yet, you're going, man, I don't know about this guilt. As soon as you accept him, it's like, freedom! Okay? That's what happens. That's what takes place. You all sound like Braveheart. 
in the movie, Jack feels so guilty for the stuff that he's done in his real life. Eventually you see that play out and you see him go, man, I regret this. Why did I get on that plane? What, I'm missing out on these kids' lives. I, I'm missing out on what a real life could potentially look like. Paul, I love when he writes this. There's no condemnation. Coming from him means a lot because there were certain things that he did that he could have been condemned for. Jesus could have condemned him. And God utilized him as a leader to teach us the scripture. I love that. Number three, forget what lies behind and keep pressing toward the prize. What's the prize? Well, the prize is Christ Jesus. The prize is for us knowing we are saved. We get eternal life. Okay? In this movie, up to this point right now, Jack has acted so strange that he starts missing his big old life sometimes. You know, I think about the decision you made. Maybe I was being naive, but I believed that we would grow old together in this house. That we'd spend holidays here and have our grandchildren come visit us here. I had this image of us all gray and wrinkly and me working in the garden and you repainting the deck. If you need this, Jack, if you really need this, I will take these kids from a life they love and I'll take myself from the only home we've ever shared together and I'll move wherever you need to go. I'll do that because I love you. I love you. And that's more important to me than our address. I choose us. Before this scene, he was remembering his old, his old job. He was remembering his old ways. He was remembering like the fancy suits that he wore. He was remembering the Ferrari. He went back to the place he worked at and started working his way up the corporate ladder and thinking that's what he needed to do again, you know, kind of earn it. He continued to look to his past, not at what God had put right in front of him in the movie, you know, and that was this, this lady that he was meant to be with. This is what it says, and, and Paul writes this also in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. I love this. Um, Pastor Derek, about two years ago, preached a message on this, and it was phenomenal. You can listen back on the podcast if you ever want. But he called it running the race. And I love this. Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. And, and you got to realize, Paul, if you're not familiar with him, Paul was not a Christian for much of his life. He was a, you know, a Jew. He, he, he was a Philistine. A Philistine he, he like knew the Philistine law. He knew the Jewish law. He, knew, he, he, was like, he was so astute to all of this that he had everything. And, and basically, 
or excuse me, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Not a Philistine of Philistines. He was a Pharisee. And, and what happened is he started killing people. He started approving the stoning of people. All this, he watched it. In fact, there's probably a good chance that he tore children from their parents who, who came to Christ even. There, there's all this stuff. And I go, man, if I had a hard heart and I wanted God to judge, I'd be like, take him out. What are you doing? And God goes, no, I've got a better idea. We're going to redeem him. We're going to redeem him. We're going to change him. We're going to save him. We're going to allow him to live for me so that he can write two-thirds of our New Testament and transform a world. That's the God we serve. I love that. I, I think that's just incredible. Here's the next point. You have to thank God that he causes all things, even our failures, to work together for good. Anybody ever failed out there? You have, have you failed? Have you messed up before? Yeah? Continue, you're getting, are you probably going to continue to mess up from time to time? You got to all figure it out. Are you good? Anybody being nudged by their spouse right now? Like, we've all messed up. We've all screwed it up. And, and here's what I love. I, first of all, let me just say this. I hate when we as Christians, you know, we're trying to reach the world and they're asking, why does God allow bad things to happen? And, and, and don't ever use this response because this is wrong. People will come up and they say, well, it's just God's will. Bam, bam. No. No. No, that's not God's will. Well, God said everything worked for his good. No. That's not the... No. No, 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 no. We got our hermeneutics and our eschatology and our blah, blah, blah. We got our ecclesiology messed up. The way we interpret scripture in the church. And so, what they're looking at, these people are going, uh, okay, so, so 9-11, all of this was God's will. It was God's judgment on the earth, this and that. We, we get all into this stuff. And, and I think what God is going, hey, you know what? Those people made huge mistakes because I gave them a free will to do that, to make those mistakes, and to do that. And that was not God's will. You know, well, what about the, the little girl who passed away? You know, my wife and I, our first child was a miscarriage. Are you going to tell me that was God's will for us to miscarry? Now, I don't know, but I'm not going to blame God. God gets a bad rap, and I'm tired of him taking a bad rap. Because God loves us and wants and desires more than anything to have a relationship with you and with me. He doesn't want anything to hinder that. He wants us to have that. He's going, hey, you know what? It wasn't my will for that to happen. No, but he goes, you know what? I know that you've gone through all that. You've had those failures. You've seen those failures. You've gone through tough stuff. And so what God says, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to work it together for your good. I love that. Here's what it says. This Paul writes it out. If I can find my notes again, where did I go? Romans 8.28. There it is. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. You're called according to His purpose when you accept Him. I, I love this. It's, it's even in our sin. You know, even, even for Jack in the movie who viewed his... You know, whole life eventually, you know, he's going, well, my life's a failure. This glimpse I'm getting, it's a failure. Why, why am I a failure? I'm a used tire salesman. I got this. I, I want to live back in the city. He's going through all of this. My next point. You've got to remember, God has good works for you to walk in. He's got it planned out. You want to live re- without regret? Start walking in the things God has planned for you. Start living the life God designed you to live. Well, I've got to wait for this, and I've got to wait for that. And I, no! God... I think so often we're going, God, I'm waiting on you. And God's going, ditto. 
<laughs> and we're like, Lord, show me, you know, Lord, share with me your voice. And God's going, I gave you a verse. <laughs> like, I think, I think that's happening all the time. And we're going, you know, God, I, I want to hear you. And I believe God's always communicating with us. We're just not always listening. And he's going, man, I want to get with you. I want to share with you these plans I have in place for you to accomplish and for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We. Everybody say we. We. Us. We're His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? After you were born? No. No. Beforehand, that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I love this verse. One of my favorite communicators is Reggie Dabbs. Anybody familiar with Reggie Dabbs? Big old African-American guy. I love him. He does youth speaking all across the nation. We had him here in our school district. And he's a phenomenal communicator. And one of the things that I so desperately love about him is, is he tells his story. And, and he's, he's like the number one or number two national speaker right now for youth all across America. And, and he shares his story that his mom was actually planning on aborting him, getting rid of him. And, and yet, now you look at his life and I go, he's living and he's walking in those plans that God had for him. He's not bitter about it. He got better. And he's walking out with what God had destined for him. Let me just say this. No matter how much you have failed, God's word says he's got good works for us to walk in. Well, I'm a failure. I messed it up. I can't. No. So when we fall, we got to get back up and get, start working again. Okay? He's not done with you yet. I hate when the pastor does this, but I want you to do this right now. I want you to look to the person next to you, and I want you to just tell them, God's not done with you yet. Just tell them. Tell them right now. Go home. Come on. Come on. Take a little action step this morning. Okay, now on the other side, the person you don't like as much, tell them too. We, we don't pass the peace in our church, and the reason why is I hate it. And especially when I'm a visitor in church, I feel so awkward. And so the reason that we don't do that is because we want you to have real conversations out in the entryway, hereafter, you know, go outside and hang out where it's 10 below, you know, get, get some coffee, wherever. I love in the movie, you see Jack starting to get it. He starts realizing this glimpse is a gift. And in this scene that, that I don't have for you this morning... It's one of my favorite scenes. I couldn't find it to show it to you. I apologize. But he's building a snowman. You know, it's like an Elsa Olaf moment, right? And, and he's a... No Frozen fan. And he is, he's with his two kids. And he's building this snowman. And they're rolling around on the ground. And they're having fun. And, and then the, it pans back. And you see the wife... You see Kate up in the window, you know, the frosted window. It's like the perfect setting. And she's looking out, and there's just, she's tearing up, and she's watching her husband with her kids, and she's so grateful. And it's like, you just wish you could, like, just hit pause in that moment. Let's be real for just a moment. Some of you need that kind of moment. For some of you here, it's been a long time since you've had that gracious moment. For some of you, you've been in this journey so long and you're going, I don't know that I'll ever have that moment. Or you've, you've gone through a horrible divorce. Or you've gone through, you know, maybe you've lost somebody you loved. Or, or you're going through all that and you're going, I don't know that I'm ever going to get that again. Well, I want you to know that God is the regret redeemer. He's going to redeem even the worst of those stories and those situations. He's going to bring it to life. He wants you to have that. 
I believe firmly that God sent His Son so that you could have life right now and later on when we pass. And so believe in Him. Know that He sent Jesus for that specific reason. Here's the last point I want to give you this morning. Turn regrets into thanksgiving. Be thankful. You know, I, one, of the, one of my things, and I'm going to be very vulnerable with you here, is... Um, I have a lot of regrets, man. I have a lot of things I wish I could go back and change. You know, I, maybe that's why I like Back to the Future so much. I don't know. You know, but, but sometimes I wish I could go back. And one of the big things is I, I struggled with purity in, in high school and junior high and, and, and even as a young adult at Bible school. And it wasn't until February 2001 where, you know, pornography, whatever you want, you can call it whatever you will. But it was at that moment, me and God kind of made a covenant where it was like, okay, Lord, this is, this is done, this is new. And, and it's been since February 2001 where I've ever seen pornography or anything like that. And, and I look back at that and I go, God, God redeemed that. And so I have to go, God, thank you for that because what's happened, and I want to speak to the guys for just a moment, is there are so many men today that are so ashamed because they're so addicted to pornography and nobody knows and, and we're so scared to talk about it because it's, you know, we, we feel we're going to get judged or people don't understand. And, and what I want to share is what's been awesome is when I get a call from a guy or a text from somebody and they say, hey, can I just meet with you? I'm like, yeah, and I don't even know what it's about. And they're like, dude, I've been struggling with, with porn for, for so long. Sometimes it's been women that need to meet and I have them meet, you know, with, with me and another female leader. And, and we get together, and I just listen, and I go, you know what? If God can take me out of that, you know, 20 years ago, He can take you out of that. There's, there's hope. And to realize not to be bitter about all the stuff and the things that I've gone through, but go, man, we can be thankful for what God can do right now through men, through women, and, and there, there's hope. So I just want you to know, if, you, if you're here this morning and you've been trapped in that or other stuff, God's got hope for you, even when you don't have hope for yourself, Okay? <laughs> Faith many times is just not us holding on to God, but realizing God's holding on to us. Realize He is. He's got you. He knows your struggles. Even though we try to hide it, you know, because we're ashamed of it, He knows it and He sees you can't hide from Him. And yet He still chooses to pursue you. Can I hear a good amen? Here's the last thing I want to tell you, and it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.18. Give thanks in how many circumstances? All circumstances. And this again is Paul, beaten, bruised, you know, thorn in his side, shipwrecked. I mean, this guy went through everything. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I want to show you one more clip, and let me just set this clip up for you. Um, this, this, this clip happens after Jack uh, comes back to reality. So he wakes back up, and he's back in his, you know, fancy apartment. He's back with his Ferrari, and he realizes Kate, his kids, his four-bedroom house with two and a half baths is gone. You know, all that is gone, and he's like, he's so frustrated because he realized what he was missing out on. And so he like is, is he goes back to the angel, and he talks to the angel, and he, he has this like verbal fight with the angel. Like, how dare you keep messing with people's lives? Why do you do this? you got to stop this. And 
And, and the angel just said, hey, it's just a glimpse. And so you see him getting his Ferrari, and I'm talking like he drives fast, man. It's like fun. And you know, he gets in his car, and, it's, and he gets to this scene, and, and he's rock, you know, going through the airport. Now, for those of you that are younger than me, you used to be able to go into the airport to the gate. You can't do that anymore unless you buy a ticket. So this is before that. And uh, he gets in here, and he's, and he's running towards her at the gate, and there's a huge line, and it kind of resembles the same scene I showed you at the beginning where Kate and they're, they're making out and, and Kate's like, don't go, don't go, I have a bad feeling about this and he kisses her and we know he goes and, and so now it's kind of roles are reversed. She has become a big t- big shot lawyer. She's doing great in real life and he realizes this and he, you know, this is towards the end and I'm not going to give away the end to you but, but this is towards the end and he chases her to the airport and, and he finally sees her and, and, and here it is. And you, you're a nonprofit lawyer. That's right. You're completely nonprofit. But that doesn't seem to bother you. And we're in love. After 13 years of marriage, we're still unbelievably in love. You won't even let me touch you till I've said it. I sing to you. Not all the time, but, but definitely on special occasions. And we've, we've dealt with our share of surprises and, and, and made a lot of sacrifices, but we stayed together. You see, you're a better person than I am. And it made me a better person to be around you. I don't know, maybe, maybe it was all just a dream. Maybe I, I went to bed one lonely night in December and I, I imagined it all, but... I swear, nothing's ever felt more real. And if you get on that plane right now, you'll disappear forever. I know we could both go on with our lives and we'd both be fine. But I've seen what we can be like together. And I choose us. You can always go to Paris. <gasps> what do you think happens? I'm not going to tell you because I get in trouble when I give things away Sunday morning. So, yeah. See, I can play like the end of Inception because it doesn't give anything away. Um, no one got that. It's all good. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts here and we're going to close in just a second. You might not know how Jack's story ends. Maybe you do. Maybe you've seen it. But I want every person in here to know that they can hear my voice right now. Whether you're here, whether you're watching online right now, whether you're listening on the podcast. I want you to know that you can be confident how your story ends. It's simply by accepting Jesus. There's no other way to eternity. Every Sunday we give an opportunity for you to do that. I'm going to pray for you. If you need to do that, you need to do that today. Make your heart right for Him, man. That's what it's about. That's a start of a beautiful relationship with Jesus. More beautiful than what Kate and Jack have on the movie screen. Because God wants and desires you. He wants to be with you. He chose to send His Son for you. And so, we talk about regret. We talk about the risk that God calls us to take. And here's what I want to end with is, is this one thought. I believe God wants us to choose to live our best life now. It's different for all of us. Maybe it's something you need to change. 
Maybe you're already doing that and you just need to thank Him for the path that you've been on. Or maybe you're going, i got to just surrender. The moment you surrender is the moment He takes over. And I tell you what, it's an incredible ride from there on. I can tell you, I, I surrendered my life to Christ when I was 17 years of age, man. And it's the most incredible thing. Now, did that mean I was serving Him in every way, capacity, shape, and form? No, really not until I was about 21. And do I still struggle on that road? Every day. Every day. To be faithful to Him. But again, we'll never be as faithful to Him as He is to us. And so we need to accept Him and realize that He, realize that he wants the best for you and for me. So here's what I want to ask you today. We're going to pray, and then we're going to turn on some Christmas music as you're on your way out. And uh, man, say hi to somebody that you don't know on the way out. But let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now. Before I pray, um, just as a reminder... We have our Christmas Eve Eve service where we're going to be rocking out. We're going to have a blast. Make sure you get here early. It's, it's standing room only a lot because we just love to pack it out. And we have uh, a lot of people from the community that I know are already coming. So make sure you're here. That's 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, December 23rd. Don't miss it. It's one of the most anticipated services of the year. And uh, uh, the movie that I'm preaching on that night, uh, I would guess 99% of you are familiar with it. And that's my little teaser. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're working on our hearts. And right now, if you've been talking to somebody here right now this morning, Lord, with no distractions right now, just between us and you, that they need to accept your name, your Jesus, who you sent on that cross, that they would do it right now by saying, Lord Jesus, I invite you in to come and to save me, to forgive me of my sins so that I can live for you all the days of my life. Forgive me, God. I know I've messed up. I know I'm going to mess up more, but I know that you died on that cross for every failure, every mess up that I've ever done. Lord, I I ask today that I would not live in any kind of regret, but I would live moving forward and after you. And so, God, wherever you need to get a hold of my life, I give you permission to do that. Whatever you need to do, Lord. And, God, we want to thank you for our regrets. We want to thank you for our failures, that you are the one that can redeem them so that we can live, God, for you and in purpose that you have for us and those that cross our paths. God, we give this time to you, this day to you, and I just ask all the things that you're doing in our hearts and our minds and our spirit this morning, that that would be bound up in heaven for eternity's sake. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.